James chapter 4. We just sang about when trials come, and there come many situations in life that you end up asking yourself, what's God doing here? What's God trying to accomplish here? Sometimes... You felt that you've really sought God's mind and, and pursued a path, and it seems like it fails. Yesterday, several guys were talking about that very fact, that seeking God's mind and, and taking steps of obedience, and then it seemingly fails and doesn't work out. What's God doing in that? There come other situations in life that we just look at it and it might be just a a big question mark. And yet, we know that um, God is at work. We just have sung, till he completes the work begun, that he begins a good work in us and he will do it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. And we know as believers, the Spirit of God dwells within us and He is at work to mold and shape us to the image of His Son. But sometimes that molding and shaping is kind of like a physical therapist. If you've had surgery in any regard and had to go see a physical therapist, um, you'll know what this is about, all right? When I had my knee replaced, you go to the physical therapist, and, and I said to them, I said, after I was there for not very long, I said, I think to be a physical therapist, you have to be sadistic. You have to enjoy seeing others' pain. And I was kind of joking with them, but that is a hard job. But they do. They, you know, they create pain in your body, but for a good purpose. If you don't do this, you're, you're going to walk around with a stiff leg all your life. You know what I mean? You're not going to be able to bend down. You're not, and, and so they, they create this pain and they put these weights on and they make you do these bands. And those of you that have been through it know it. And, and oh, I think you can get a couple more. I'll get a couple more, you're thinking, you know. And, and yet, They're doing that because they know that this is necessary to restore us to the fullest life possible. You notice I said fullest life possible, not restore us to what we originally were. I don't care what mankind makes, it's never as good as God made. You can get the best hearing aid made, and it's not as good as what God made. And you can get the best artificial knee, and it's not as good as God made. 
But at any rate, the physical therapists have have a goal in mind. They they want to help us, although it seems like you hate me. What did I ever do to you? You know? And and yet as you submit to that, as you work with it and work on it, then you see the fruit and you enjoy the the benefits of it. I think sometimes our view of God isn't even as good as the view of a physical therapist. Many times we we see something not go our way or we we see something that we don't understand and and it's easy for us to accuse God of things. You notice the human nature, we're quick to accuse God and very reluctant and slow of truly praising him for all the good things that he gives. And in understanding that God is at work in our life and he has a very, very good purpose for us, And even in what we may be going through, there's there's a number of principles that we want to look at today building to to one general thought. And, And let me just jump in. Number one, God designed us to be dependent on him. We were made to be dependent upon God. We were made to fellowship with God. We were made for God. We were not made to live apart from God. You know, if, if, if you have a diesel and you put regular gasoline on it, in it, not on it, in it, it shouldn't surprise you that the thing won't run right or won't run very long. Why? It wasn't made to run on gasoline. It was made to run on diesel. We were not made to live without God. So it shouldn't surprise us the mess that we see in this world today. We were made for God. We were made to be dependent on Him. Any attempt to live independently from God is doomed to failure. Every attempt to live independently of God is doomed to failure. There, there's no question about it. This is... This is just the law of nature. Like diesel engines won't run on gasoline. Any attempt to live independently from God is ultimately doomed to failure. Humility is the place of entire dependence upon God. Andrew Murray gave that definition and I read it a number of years ago, and it is it has gone over in my mind many, many times. 
Humility is the place of entire dependence upon God. Notice James chapter 4 and verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. We recently went through the book of First Peter, and this passage about humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up is paralleled in, in Peter. Clothed, be clothed with humility. Why? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility is the place of entire dependence upon God. And from the very nature of things, it ought to be the first duty and the highest virtue of man. Humility is simply man acknowledging the truth of who I am as a man and who God is as God. And it's submitting to him. The Christian life starts with humility. To to be saved, a person must realize he has nothing in and of himself to commend himself to God. He is totally bankrupt before God. He has no power at all to deal with the sin in his life. Unable to do anything about this debt of sin He must come to God as a broken, needy sinner, dependent upon God totally for forgiveness. That's a humble spirit. Dependent upon God. And God says that a broken and a contrite, a humble spirit, he will not despise. That's how the Christian life begins. And that's how it must continue. Last Sunday, we we dealt with the aspect that when we're born into this world, we're born with the old nature. And and we are slaves to the old nature, our flesh. We're, We're bound to it. But when we come to the point of humility, as we just said, where we realize... I am a sinner. There is nothing I can do about my sin. I am bankrupt before God. I am totally dependent on God and his payment, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for my sin. And I call upon him for the forgiveness of sin. Then the Spirit of God takes up residence in my life. And now I have a choice in my life. I'm either going to obey the flesh or the Spirit. As we heard this morning in Sunday school, I'm going to live as a foreigner, a citizenship in heaven, or I'm going to live as this is where my citizenship is. 
And we came to this Christian life having these two because of humility that we cried out to God in humility and we said, God, I cannot save myself. I need you. And the Spirit of God came into our life. But do you understand it's that entire dependence upon God that makes us continually submit to God. God, I need you. I may have worked at this job for 30 years, but God, I need you. I need your help today. God, I've, I've been doing this for this many years and, and I could do it in my sleep, but God, I need you. I am entirely dependent upon you. If, if there is anything that should make us have a humble spirit, it should be parenting. Because, my goodness, I don't care what books you read, what videos you see, God, I need you. I don't have it together. I need you. I don't know what you put in their hearts, and and I need you. And as we said, humility is only the start of this Christian life. And it's humility that will keep us submitting to the Spirit and not the flesh. A man's potential for God lies not in his ability, nor in his opportunity, but in his humility. Do you understand? That elevates this to a major role. We as mankind look, oh, wow, wow, that guy can really speak and has charisma. I wonder if God's called him to be a preacher or evangelist or something. Our potential for God does not lie in our abilities. If God can make a donkey speak, he can make anybody speak. It doesn't lie in our abilities. It doesn't lie in our opportunities. Depend on our opportunities. Our potential for God is in our humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that you may be exalted and he will exalt you in due time. Now. It should clearly be evident that God is committed to teaching us humility. If this is of utmost importance to him, he is committed to teaching us humility. And this is where the physical therapy comes in. What are some ways that God does this? Jim Berg, in his book, Change to His Image, gave us four ways how God helps us to learn humility. Number one, he sends a problem we can't handle to expose our helplessness. Think in your own life. The problems he's allowed to come into your life. And we say, this hurts. And he says, I'm doing this for your good. 
I want to teach you humility, entire dependence on me. You, you've been a get-or-done type of person, and I'll figure this out. And God says, here's a problem, buddy. Try it. You won't figure this out. And God doesn't do it to push us down. He does it to lift us up. Because when we're dependent on Him, then we're strong. And he will allow problems. Some of them are by our own choosing. Some are by his design, as in Job's case. But he will allow a problem into our life to expose to us our helplessness. That We sing the song, Lord, I need you. When the storms of life are strong, when the winds are blowing strong, but we need him all the time. And so you say, what is going on? What is God doing? He may have, he may have allowed this problem into your life to teach you humility. Man, this is, I need you, God. I, I, and we say, well, I already knew I needed him. But were we really living in dependence on him? Secondly, he gives us a command we struggle with, obeying, to expose our self-centeredness. Jonah is a supreme example of that. And, and this is a kind of a extreme example. But Jonah was, you know the story of Jonah. He was commanded to go to the Ninevites and and preached to them he despised the ninevites they were a wicked wicked people at any rate this was a command that was hard for jonah to obey and it revealed jonah's self-centeredness there comes directions of God into our life, and we struggle with obeying them. And the reason we struggle with obeying them is because we're submitting to the old nature, our self-centeredness. Self is on the throne. I mean, honestly, when you, when you spell these out, this ends in death, this ends in life. This is failure, this is success. It's, duh, why wouldn't I submit to this? Because we're self-centered and we think we know and God brings us a command to show us and we struggle. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, man, I don't know how that's going to turn out. And we struggle with it because we're just seeing it from our perspective And our self-centeredness. And God wants to expose that to us so we say, Oh, God, deliver me from myself. I need you, Lord. And so, He will give us a direction to show us that we struggle with, to show us our self-centeredness. He arranges, thirdly, an outcome we can't control 
to expose our sinfulness. <laughs> I kind of chuckle. He, he arranges an outcome we can't control. What outcomes can we control? I mean, seriously. What can we control? But we get this outcome that's out of our control. We didn't want it. We wouldn't have choosed it. We, we want to avoid it. And then it reveals our sinfulness. We pout about it. We complain about it. We get bitter about it. We compare with others. We, we do all these things. And he's showing us our own sinfulness to bring us back to humility, entire dependence upon God. And ultimately, God wants us to have a humble spirit, a spirit of dependence upon God, because then our life won't be wasted. Then our works won't be in vain. Then it will produce eternal rewards. No man has been humbled before God when he is self-justifying or self-protective or self-confident. You know, one of the, one of the, one of the dilemmas of the Christian life we we get in early and we say, oh, God, I need your help in this, and, and would you please help me? And God answers our prayer, and he helps us. And then we go, man, I did pretty good there. I can do that again. And we go into it without the dependence upon God. We have a self-confidence. Yeah, I can do that. I did it before. I've seen it in my own life. The reason you I was able to do it before because I was dependent upon God. And now I am dependent upon self. And you know what? It's not that we always stub our toe immediately. Sometimes we go on and think we're having success, and ultimately we find out that we weren't. A truly humbled person is not self-justifying, is not self-protective, or self-confident. David was a man whose sinfulness was exposed. God allowed circumstances to come into his life that were out of his control, and it exposed what was in his heart. Number four, God helps us to learn humility in that he shows us a God we can't comprehend to expose our finiteness. In other words, he shows us such a great God that we, we can't even wrap our hands around it. We can't wrap our mind around it. We, we don't get it. And he says, that's okay. I'm unlimited. You are very limited. 
I'm infinite, God says. You are finite. There's a limit to everything you do. There is no limit to what God does. And God will allow things into our life and and will expose us to see him. I mean, think about it. Everyone in the Bible that God gave them a glimpse of who he was, they were overwhelmed with his greatness and how little they are. Abraham said, I am but dust and ashes. Job said, mine eye has seen thy glory and I abhor myself and repent. Isaiah said, Woe is me! I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people that are unclean. Saul said, Broken, Lord, what would you have me to do? That, that is total submission to the Spirit. Lord, what do you want me to do? This isn't about me. Anyone who saw a glimpse of who God was was overwhelmed with his greatness. Spurgeon said, humility is to make a right assessment of oneself. In other words, we understand who we are and we understand who God is. And we can't be proud, Spurgeon went on to say, do not be proud of race, of face, or of grace. Why? That's all God's doing. And this aspect of humility is something that it keeps showing up everywhere in Scripture in Proverbs, in Psalms, throughout the epistles, over and over again. And you might ask, God, what are you doing in my life? Just mark it down. He's trying to teach us dependence upon God, humility. You start there, and that will be a good place to start what God's doing in your life. He's trying to deal with my self-confidence. He's trying to deal with, with exposing my helplessness. He's trying to deal with my self-centeredness. And then we can come back and say, thank you, God, that you allowed this into my life to teach me humility. Not that we ever have it learned. It's not a one-time thing. But God, may I be humble under your hand. God is not impressed with our abilities. They came from him. I mean, think about it. Everything you can do comes from God. So God is, whoa, look what he did. I mean, he gave it to you. He knows that. He is not impressed with our opportunities. They are gifts from him. He is impressed only with our humility. It testifies of our sense of dependency upon him. You say, God, what are you doing in my life? He may be causing you to bend those muscles that haven't moved for a while. 
It's the muscle of humility, so to speak. Of dependence upon God. In any, when he wrote to the nation of Israel and gave them the recipe for revival as a nation, if my people which are called by my name shall what? Humble themselves. I need, I need you, God. I am dependent upon you. The most familiar prayer that we ought to make is, God, I need you. God, I need you. And that humble spirit, God says, he lifts those that have a humble spirit. The reality. What is God trying to do in my life? You can count on this. He's trying to teach us humility. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would make personal these truths in every one of our lives. Lord, you alone know the situations in our personal lives. Perhaps there are people here today that they're, they're just coming to the realization that they need forgiveness of sin and they understand that they are bankrupt, that they have nothing with which to offer for forgiveness. Lord, help them to see that Jesus paid it all and that you offer to them by your grace the gift of eternal life. I pray if there's one here today who has never called upon you in humility for salvation, I pray today would be the day of salvation. Then, Lord, I pray for every Christian here today. Help us to see that One of your purposes at work in our lives today is you desire us to be clothed with humility. You desire us to embrace a humble spirit of dependence upon you. And Lord, I pray that we as believers would repent and return to dependence upon you as we've never been before. So, Lord, may your Spirit do the work in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes.